Welcome back to the River Heights Buzz, everyone. We're on episode 32 today. We are your hosts. I'm Alexa. And I'm Candace. And before we jump into the whole episode we're talking about today, we've got some news. Yes, we do. I just happened to be on Twitter today when I was at work. And I saw people in the fandom freaking out about season four of the TV show and how it has been pushed back um, to what they call a mid-season premiere. Um, So in TV talk, that can be anywhere from a January premiere to a May premiere. To me, like a May premiere is almost like the end of the season. Yeah. You know what I mean? Because it's like, usually with, like, at least some of the shows that I watch, they go from, like, airing end of September to the end of May. Yeah. So, and mid-season is, like, the mid-season finale is, like, a couple, a week or two before Christmas, and then the start back again after Christmas, so probably, like, middle, early to Mm mid-January, depending on the show. Yeah. So... Yeah, I was a little bit worried at first until I read that um, the CW had made this decision with several different shows. And I was like, oh, okay. So this doesn't necessarily mean it's a bad thing. Um, I think they're just switching some stuff up. Yeah. Maybe just to like space all, like, because I guess they have like so many shows still that are going to be airing in the fall. Mm -hmm. So maybe they want to just, you know, space them out a little bit. Yeah. So I could see that. Yeah. I mean, that makes sense to me. Yeah. So if there's any news that you, the listener, see or read about, let us know. We can always talk about it before we get the show going. Yes. (laughs) Yes. We're keeping a a watchful eye out for any and all information about season four because we're all very, very excited. Yes. Fingers crossed, we'll hear something soon, but you never know. Never know. (laughs) So, with that, that (laughs) yep. Without further ado, I think we should uh, get going with the episode, shall we, Candice? Yeah, I'm ready. All righty. So, tonight we'll be talking about season one, episode eight The Path of Shadows. Nancy and the Drew crew discover that the car wreck that left one of their own at death's door was no accident. While simultaneously hoping to solve the crime, the crew investigates the physical evidence of sabotage to the car and take a supernatural detour into the metaphysical world. The original air date was December 4th, 2019. Okay, so... Basically, we start out at the crash scene of Laura and Ace, um, which is kind of the cliffhanger that we were left on at the end of uh, the last episode. And Nick has driven up in his truck to the scene and sees that this was Laura's vehicle. It was like kind of like a kind of reminded me of like a Jeep or an SUV kind of thing. It is a Jeep. (laughs) Yeah, I thought it was a Jeep. Uh, And so Nick is trying to figure out what happened. 
and you know if everybody is okay and then the scene kind of changes and it's nancy and carson at the house having their family dinner using that in quotes and nancy asked carson if um he killed lucy i mean just you know go straight straight for the jugular with her questions as always and nancy brings up a really good point she was like Lucy knew Hudson family secrets and then she ended up dead. And now the same thing has happened to Tiffany. So it's like, there's gotta be some kind of correlation there. And both times Carson was called in to kind of clean up the mess after the fact. And both of them were involved with Ryan, which is like, is he that people that attracted to him? I mean, I guess so because clearly George was (laughs) at least at one point. Yeah. So um, Carson essentially, you know, goes on the defensive and he says, Nancy, if you keep suspecting everyone in your life of the horrible things that happen, you're going to end up alone, which that right there, that's really harsh to say. Like she needed to hear it. Yeah. But coming from your dad. I mean, that's tough. That's it's like it's one thing hearing that kind of comment from like just some person if you see them on the street but if you like what you said nancy heard it from her dad that's an extra hard blow yeah so i mean she needed to hear it like there's no doubt about that but harsh at the same time yeah so next thing we know george shows up at the house and she tells them about ace and that he was in a car accident and he's at the hospital and so scene kind of changes and everyone has shown up at the hospital and Bess is there and Lisbeth is there and we learn a little, we're starting to learn a little backstory of Ace. We find out that his father was previously on the police force. Um, We learned that Laura is being prepped for surgery and that at that moment, Ace was already in surgery. Um, Nancy, once again, emotions high, right out of the starting gate, accuses Lisbeth of being there for the Hudsons. Like she's trying to find out information or, or something to that effect. Um, and Nancy knew that Ace was trying to figure out if Laura killed Tiffany, because if we recall right before the accident happened, Ace kind of had his phone where Laura couldn't see it and was recording the conversation that they were going to have. Um, So Nancy realizes they need to find his phone and his phone is with his stuff that the hospital workers gave them. And this was so gross to me. There was blood on his phone. Yeah. And they didn't bother to wipe it off. No. (laughs) Like we see the phone several scenes later and like a day later and it still has the blood on it. Like wipe that off. That's gross. I will give best credit though, because I think she was the one that collected Ace's stuff because she didn't want his mom to like get like hold on to it because of it was such a traumatizing event. Yeah. No, that's a good friend. That's like good looking out. Yeah. But yeah, leaving the blood on the phone, that's like a hazard. Yeah. A biohazard. <laughs> it's one thing if it's your own blood. But, but someone it, else's like no ugh. yeah <laughs> just <Ew>. clean it <laughs> clean it <laughs> so nancy realizes we need to get into his phone and so she immediately hands the phone over to Bess, and she's like 
you and Ace are close enough friends, you should probably know his phone password. And lo and behold, she does. Mm -hmm. And they find an audio recording, which Nancy begins to listen to. And essentially nothing is good, like spoken between them, but you can hear the moments right before the car loses control and it was speeding. And you can tell like the panic in Laura's voice where she's saying she didn't have control of the car. She couldn't control it. It was speeding and she wasn't making it speed. And she said, you know, she was trying to put her foot on the brake and it just, it wasn't, it wasn't working. And then you hear the crash sounds. Yeah. So then we learned that Ace is now in a coma and the hospital staff are really not sure why his brain activity is showing up as abnormal, but that doesn't necessarily mean he would be in a coma. Yeah. So kind of unsure what's going on with that. Um, Chief McGinnis is there because, you know, as we've learned uh, and now Ace has confirmed he was working for Chief McGinnis because essentially Chief McGinnis saved, saved him from going to jail. So McGinnis is there. And the next thing we know, he kind of like turns around and looks down the hallway and sees like a black figure walk into what looks like a hospital room. Very creepy. So he walks down the hallway to investigate, but, and it might not have changed, but it almost to me looked like the hallway kind of changed. It looked a little different, maybe just because it was darker. I'm not sure. Um, but he goes to open that room and it was just like a broom closet. Like I thought that in hospitals, like at least the hospitals I've been in, all the corridors and stuff should have like those brighter lights, you know? So it's not like, Dark. Yeah, they usually do. And then even when McGinnis is like walking down the hall when he sees the figure, he thinks that it's Ace and he actually says Ace's name. <laughs> yeah, he does. He's kind of confused, which obviously, I mean, that was a black figure. Like, yeah, there's no way that was Ace, but we'll get there. And then when a- when McGinnis turns, like, does he turn around or just does Nancy show up? Nancy just shows up behind him and kind of spooks him a little. Yeah. And he turns around and she's like, you look like you've just seen a ghost. Well, Nancy, it's kind of what happened. (laughs) (laughs) You should be used to that by now. Um, So McGinnis walks off and he's like kind of flustered. And then the next thing we know, uh, Nancy and Bess are hanging out in Bess's van and Nancy calls Nick and they learn that Laura is now in surgery. And like I said, Ace's uh, brain scans are coming back as abnormal, um, but still really not sure um, why he's in a coma, how long he'll be in a coma, um, that kind of thing. So really still kind of in the balance right there. Yeah. Um, Nancy then asks if it would be possible if someone could like remote control into a car and Nick being a mechanic says that, yeah, it's possible. And we find out that the day prior to the accident, Nick had actually had Laura's car in the shop and had given it an oil change. Yeah. So that was interesting. So now Um, Nancy essentially asks Nick if he can look at the car and he's like, yeah, I can do that, but we're going to need 
to distract the police because I think at that point the car was at the police impound lot. Um, so, you know, distracting people is what we do best in the clue crew. So Nancy and Bess distract the cops so that Nick can go ahead and look at the car. And um, Nancy talks to McGinnis about the recording that was on Ace's phone and basically says, I know that Ace was working for you. We don't have to tiptoe around it anymore. Like it's not a secret. And then Nancy, Nancy straight up asks him if he believes in supernatural stuff. And I'm like, Nancy, <laughs> do not. <laughs> it's like, like what we you keep saying, like she does not beat around the bush. She just goes right for it. Like no, she really does. Like she really doesn't care. Like if she has a question, by God, she's gonna ask it. And it's like she's. If I feel as much as I love Nancy, <laughs> I will say she has no problem digging into other people's business. But when as soon as someone goes and digs into her business, she just mm-hmm. stops talking. Yeah, not having it. Like <laughs> doesn't go that way. It's like a one-way street in Nancy's world half the time, I think. Yeah, it's true. But, like, if you want information and good information at that, like, you've got to be willing to give a little, too. Yeah. But we're we're getting there. We're getting to that point. So Even even though it's at a snail's pace. (laughs) Yes, it's it's moving very slowly. So um, McGinnis, then, after Nancy walks out of his office kind of turns to the side of his desk and he opens this old looking trunk and I didn't realize it because I guess I'm just not observant I don't know I don't know but he opens that trunk and there are like Native American things in there like I'm trying to be politically correct by saying Native American um I thought like I thought he was Mexican really yeah, like his skin tone just reminded me of that. But no, he's Native American. Like I said, uh, not very observant. To me, I like I've seen him in other shows and stuff. And it's like I can kind of see where you're coming from that you might think that he could be Mexican. But yeah. I kind of knew that he was like Native American. So <laughs> I don't even know what his uh, chief if he um i don't know who that actor is we're doing some research here guys adam beach adam beach just found it too okay oh he's younger than i thought he's uh 49 years old he's from canada huh manitoba hey hey. (laughs) yeah so um yeah okay so he actually really is in real life um Uh, Native American I cannot even pronounce the group because it's a lot of letters and I don't want to butcher it but related to indigenous peoples present in the Great Lakes region of Canada and the United States so he really is Native American so that's that's very interesting but like I said and like we've talked about before this show is all about uh, inclusivity and having diverse characters this is just another great example of that. And it's um, like, I'm so glad that the show is doing that because like, there's so many shows out there that are just like, just white people, just black people, just like Mexican people. Mm-hmm. No, I'm not trying to sound like racist or any of that, but you know, 
it seems like a lot of the shows are one specific like uh background but with this show i am glad that it's like we have white characters in english iran well bess is iranian in real life yeah <laughs> the character um yeah i mean i i see I see what you're talking about when you have shows that are like that, like about one specific group, it's more like it's tailored towards that group as well, as far as viewership. And it makes it hard for people that are not necessarily in that group to be able to follow and appreciate the show in the way that it's meant to be followed and appreciated. But I feel like this show does a really good job of including everybody um, and really has from the start. Mm-hmm. So, anyways, Tangent Town, back to the task at hand. Like I said, he opens his trunk and he's got, like, I'm trying to think, ceremonial, I guess, is probably the best word. Ceremonial type Native American things in it, including a really long feather, which I assume comes from, like, an eagle or, or some kind of large bird like that. I'm not 100% sure. Um, and then the next thing we know, he's back at the hospital in that hallway and he's got like a little bowl where he's got like herbs or whatever that are like lit on fire, not on fire, but are smoking. And he's using that feather to like almost like sage, like if you sage a room to like get spirits out or, or whatever saging a room is supposed to be like, I kind of got that impression from it. Yeah. Um, and it's like he's trying to figure out what's going on um, in the hospital. Cause I think by seeing that like shadow figure, he's realizing that something's going on, something otherworldly is going on, which if you believe in that kind of thing, think about being at a hospital. People are born at hospitals. People die at hospitals a lot of raw emotion happens there every day. Yeah. Kind of makes sense that if that was really a thing, that that would be a place you would find it. Yeah. Makes sense to me. Me too. So next thing we know, we're at the claw with George and her sisters and God love her. George is being uh, mom again uh, because her mom, Victoria is apparently on a booze cruise with the local harbor master. So George is having to take over um, watching her uh, sisters. The rest of the crew is there. And um, Nick is talking about how he didn't really find anything uh, when he did like a deep dive into Laura's car, but he got information from her car's computer and realized that when he did that oil change the day prior, it should have shown up in the history of things that happened in the car in the computer and it wasn't showing up. So someone had wiped the computer or done something to it to make it where whatever they did also wasn't noticed, if that makes sense. Um, And the only reason that that makes sense to me is because my dad is actually a mechanic. So I know that cars have computers and all these kind of mechanical things in there where it keeps track of like what happens to the car kind of interesting i mean cars are so like technical these days that it's kind of hard to wrap your brain around it um it's like as 
much as like the computerized like stuff in the cars can come in handy, it can also be scary. Yeah. And it's like, oh my gosh, I don't even want to think about that stuff. <laughs> yeah, and it's different than cars before they were super techie like that because it's like, yeah, it's convenient that a lot of the um, things that run a car are technical and electronic like that. But it's like if one thing goes down, multiple things go down. Whereas before cars were when they weren't like that, it wasn't necessarily that big of a thing if one thing failed. Yeah. You know, so it's kind of it's kind of a double edged sword with the way that technology is moving forward. Um, so clearly someone that knows cars and knows a fair amount about cars messed with Laura's car, bottom line. So now everyone's kind of pointing the finger at Lisbeth, except for of course, Bess, God love her. <laughs> so next thing we know, they're all talking about Laura's car and chief McGinnis shows up there at the claw and says that someone has been tampering with the spirit world. And then Bess promptly spills her guts and tells him everything that's been happening. And chief McGinnis who reminded me of Nancy at this point was like, you all have been very reckless with what you've been doing. Uh And he's not wrong. I mean, (laughs) he about lost his crap when they said, yeah, we did a seance and we didn't do it with a clairvoyant because she was apparently off drunk. (laughs) Okay. They're pretty much rookies at this whole thing. (laughs) Yeah kind of flying by the seat of their pants and clearly McGinnis is like yeah I can tell you've messed some stuff up and now we've got some cleaning to do and is what he a pro at all this stuff I mean the only way that I can see it is that I don't know if he would maybe consider himself a pro but I feel like Native American culture is very rooted in the spiritual world so I feel like he has a lot more experience with that than they would obviously considering this is the first time that they're all dealing with this kind of thing. Um, I think it's kind of almost like ingrained in the native American people. Like they just grow up learning these things. Like they have like their medicine people and like their spiritual people. I think they call them like shamans or, or whatever. Um, So I feel like their whole culture is just so deeply rooted in that. They don't have an opportunity to not learn about it, if that makes sense. Yeah. So um, McGinnis says, yeah, when I was at the hospital that first time, I saw a tall black shadow and I believe that it's Ace's spirit. Mm -hmm. So everyone's confused, like, is Ace dead or what's going on but that's not the case no thankfully thankfully so um next thing we know we're at nancy's house and carson is there with george and chief mcginnis and they need to perform a ceremony in order to save ace to save his soul, to kind of like reunite his soul with his body. Your home is in direct view of Cadillac's peak. 
In my tribe, places within sight of the ocean and mountains are sacred. Now you'll be calling in a lost soul. And if we do this properly, we'll be transported to the outermost layer of the spirit realm. Layers? Kind of like Dante? Hey, I paid attention in English class, okay? Normally, the outer layer of the spirit realm is quiet, but now... We clogged it with dead souls who came for the burial coins during our seance. There are many things you and I need to discuss. Yeah. Can you fill this with water? Sacred water? Tap is just fine. And <laughs> you can tell Carson is struggling with his supernatural <laughs> stuff. Like, he just, it's going over his head. He doesn't get it. I found it funny. So Nancy, George, and McGinnis were all at the house. Carson walks in the front door and he's like, what did you do now? I mean, it's a safe question because it's like he comes home, not expecting necessarily anyone there, but maybe Nancy. And then the police chief is there and he doesn't know why. So it's like, okay, Nancy's been in trouble before. So what did she do now? Yeah. I can see why his mind went there. And then George is like like carrying what a pillow and a like a blanket or something. And she's like, yeah. we're gonna do like what another seance or something. I think she called it a ritual. We we have to do a ritual. Yeah. Which is like, I don't necessarily know if I would want something like that to happen in my house, but okay, do what you have to do, I guess. And you know, like that's the whole part of the show. <laughs> Yeah, that's the whole premise. Yeah. So, um, scene switches back, and George's sister Ted is still at the claw because technically George was still doing babysitting duty. But Bess is there, and then Nick comes in, and Nick essentially thinks that Elizabeth lied about why she was there um, because apparently the Hudsons at that point didn't need a driver; like they were out of town or something to that effect. Yeah. Um, and so they need to figure out if there are ulterior motives. And so Bess decides to call Elizabeth to set a meetup, essentially. So all that's happening. And then the scene changes and we're back at the Drew house. And uh, Chief McGinnis shows how he had years ago carved out animals, I guess, out of stone. And that they are apparently used for um, protection. And when Ace was a young boy... When his dad was still on the force, his dad was in like a really bad accident, but his dad survived. And at that point, Chief McGinnis, I guess to kind of comfort Ace, gave him one of these carvings, which I think it was a bear. Yeah. And told him that it was for protection and that, you know, everything would be okay. Yeah. So they start this ritual and what's going to happen is. Someone is going to go, I guess, for a lack of a better word, into this like spiritual realm to try to find Ace's soul in order to reunite it with his actual physical body. And who is the one that ends up being put into the spirit realm? George. God lover. I mean, everything has just gone to hell since she kicked over that blood bucket. I'm just saying. I don't know about you, but when George was walking through, like, the halls and stuff, those stairways almost reminded me of the Harry Potter stairs. Oh, yeah. Yeah, they kind of did. 
like I never watched Harry Potter like the movies I've like seen bits and pieces like on TV and stuff if it's on but yeah. it's like with all the different ways that the stairs go and stuff yeah no I oh. can see that for sure <laughs> so oh oh before we keep going yeah random fun little thing <laughs> So when they were picking out the little figurines, Carson picked a wolf, the wolf little figure. I noticed that. Which and is cool. if, if you didn't know, listeners, Carson's name in real life, the actor that plays him, is Scott Wolf. I How found it? I found that interesting because his last name is Wolf. He yeah. picked the, the wolf figure. Yeah. Yeah, um, I remember thinking that too. I was like, oh, that's cool. <laughs> Anyways, carry on. <laughs> so, let's see where I'm at here. Okay, so George is kind of going through. It's almost like, it's almost like a maze. It's yeah. a dark area that she's in. I guess like a house. I don't really know. Um, but she's trying to find Ace's spirit, but all these other dark figures are there. It's super scary. Like she has to keep calm and, you know, eyes on the prize, like find Ace's soul, get him reunited, like put the blinders on. Don't pay attention to this other stuff. That's there. It is so scary. Especially the red eye figure did not like that at all. That was not fun to watch, especially when I'm here at my house home alone, just with me and my dogs. Like, no, did not appreciate that. Um, so like I, at first I thought it was like, is that Ace? I thought it was like, too. But then the eyes started glowing and I was like, oh no. Oh no, 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 no. That's not Ace. <laughs> so terrifying. Uh-huh. So George is still walking and trying to figure out what's going on. And she ends up walking up onto the car crash scene from earlier laura and ace's car crash scene and she sees this like bloody arm that's like sticking out so she tries to grab it probably not a good idea and turns out it definitely was not a good idea because there was another red-eyed creature that like tries to drag her into the car wreck terrifying yeah and in the background you can continue to hear nancy and carson like arguing like in the distance the previous argument that they had earlier so McGinnis is finally like, look, conflict between Carson and Nancy is what's stopping this from happening. Like, that's why George is having a hard time finding Ace's spirit. Like, they've got to settle it or Ace is going to be gone and then George is going to be lost in this spiritual realm. Okay, no big deal. My question is, how is Nancy and Carson's argument have anything to do with this i guess because they were part of the circle that they made for the ritual and i guess the vibes of like the tension between the two of them because they hadn't resolved that argument like i guess they were both still angry on some level and that that was what was interfering is the only thing i can think of like the vibes just weren't right uh, if that makes sense, sense. Kind of. Yeah. That's all I could come up with. Um, so, um, 
Carson wants to know why Nancy believes in supernatural stuff all of a sudden. And she essentially says, I didn't for the longest time until I started looking into Lucy Sable's death. Um, the Hudson's had uh, Carson looking for Lucy on the night that she ended up dying. But by the time he got to the bluffs, she was already gone. Um, and then Carson makes the promise that he's going to tell Nancy everything after they save Ace and George. And so they kind of patch things up for the time being. Um, they go back inside and we see George is still in the spirit world and she's um, like walking down a hallway and she looks down and she sees Lucy's bloody dress burning like in a fireplace. Yeah. Kind of strange. Um, then the scene changes and Bess is at the claw and Lizbeth comes in and Lizbeth doesn't realize that Bess is recording their conversation and Nick is like sitting in the kitchen listening. Um, Isn't it? I don't think Bess is recording and I think she's just on the phone with Nick. Oh, is, is she? He's listening in some capacity. I knew that. Yeah. So, um, they're setting her up essentially to find out as much information as they can. And um, Lisbeth says that she had had to pick up some stuff for Ryan and that she does like odds and ends and errands for them. And um, Bess kind of takes a, a page out of Nancy's book and straight up asks Lisbeth if she ever um, had to hurt someone on behalf of the Hudson's. And she said, no. And Bess is like, I'm pretty sure you're hiding stuff. I tried to find you online and she <laughs> it was so funny because it reminded me of a movie that's popular in the United States. I've never, I don't know if you've ever seen it called Legally Blonde. It came out in the early nineties, kind of reminded me of the, the court scene where Elle Woods was like, um, those shoes didn't come out until blah, 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 whenever. And that's how she ended up winning the case. Kind of the same scenario here. Best was like this picture that was posted on this date. You're wearing an outfit that didn't come out until whenever. How's that a thing? I'm like, oh my God. <laughs> Elle Woods. Okay. I actually, okay. I actually have seen Legally Blonde. Oh, I have it on it. DVD. <laughs> so good. I approve. So pretty much Bess is like the uh, the Elle Woods of the group. Yeah, she kind of is, for <laughs> sure. So Bess is like, you got to start talking. You got to start telling me the truth. Or I'm going to go talk to the Hudsons. And I'm going to go talk to the cops. So you need to make a decision of what you're going to do. And Elizabeth finally spills the beans. And she's like, no, you can't do that because I'm technically undercover. And then Nick rushes in and we find out that Lisbeth is with the state police and she's investigating the Hudson's because they think state police thinks that the Hudson's are paying someone in the local police. So essentially they think there's a dirty cop. in do, 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 do. We will find out more about this later in the season. Yes, we will. <laughs> so keep that in your back pocket. Back at the Drew residence, and George is still in the spirit world. Next thing we know, McGinnis is there, and he's talking to a doctor, and it's literally the scene from, like, 15 years ago where Ace's dad almost died in the line of duty. It was, like, a, a high-speed chase that he was in, and I guess there was a crash. You don't find out a whole, whole lot about that, but just, it, you know, it was a high-speed chase. And 
The next thing we know, George is like in a house, but there's snow on the inside. Yeah. And she goes upstairs, but there's a doorway that like leads outside. And then you see a little boy sitting there in the snow and it's Ace's soul or spirit or whatever you want to call it. It's a cute little boy, by the way, playing that character. He was really cute. And he was six years old. Yes, he was six. So um, George picks him up and his boots come off of him. And he hands her the stone bear from McGinnis. And that's kind of how we know that that was Ace's spirit. She wakes up and she has that in her hand. Before um, Ace... uh George wakes up. Ace says to George, bring the boots. Yeah. So I guess my thinking was that those were probably Ace's dad's boots. That's what I thought. So, you know, it's like. Continue. Sorry. (laughs) Sorry. I was going to say the boots are important. Yeah. Nonetheless. Yeah. So, um, Back at the hospital, Ace still is not awake. Um, his brain waves have changed some, but not enough, I guess, to bring him into some form of consciousness. So Nancy and Bess, or Nick and Bess, texted Nancy, don't trust the cops because of, you know, what they found out, that there's a, potentially a, a, you know, a dirty cop that's ex- uh, taking bribes from the Hudson's. All makes sense because the Hudson family is super shady. So Nick says they have a source that there's a dirty cop in town, but doesn't really want to get further into it. But Elizabeth says that she has access to financial documents to see if money was exchanged from the Hudson family to the local police department. Um, So Nancy's now thinking that it was a cop that worked on Laura's car. And we find out that it was actually a cop. By the name of Raleigh. Do, do, do. Yeah. Which I kind of wonder if that's a Shadow Ranch reference. Yeah. Maybe. Raleigh's. Maybe. Um, So, back at uh, Nancy's house, uh, Carson thinks that the Hudsons will pay um, Raleigh, the police officer, for his silence. Um. Uh, Carson was talking about how he saw tire tracks and Lucy's bloody dress and a broken crown on the bluff when he went looking for her. Um, He said that the $50,000 that the Hudson's paid to him were for services before Lucy died services that he rendered. And then he really doesn't get into what kind of services they were, but I assume legal. Um, And he said that was basically how, Um, he and Kate and Nancy stayed in Europe for a year when Nancy was born. Um, and then Carson admits, yeah, I took the box of Lucy evidence from your scientist friend, um, essentially to cover for Nancy because, you know, Nancy's going to be arraigned on charges of breaking into the morgue and taking samples from a body. And, you know, I mean, it, it's looking a little shady for Nancy at this point. So, um, Bess texts Nancy that Elizabeth broke up with her and Nancy runs off, goes to, I guess it's the parking lot at the claw. 
It doesn't look like it. So maybe some random parking lot. But there is Celia Hudson in the car, so it must be like some fancy restaurant or something. Yeah, somewhere local in Horseshoe Bay. And um, Nancy confronts Lisbeth, and Lisbeth turns around in the car because, you know, she's a driver for the Hudsons, air quotes, and tells Celia, you know, hold on just a second, I need to handle this. And then she punches Nancy in the face and tells her, you have no idea who you're dealing with. Holy crap. That was intense. Nancy falls to the ground. And the window was open part of the way. (laughs) Yeah, so Celia knew what happened. Yeah. So Lisbeth drives off with Celia Bess was kind of in the background in her van and saw the whole thing, but we find out it was all fake to make sure the Hudsons don't suspect anything as far as Lisbeth's cover essentially being blown now that, you know, we know she's undercover researching the Hudsons. George's sister, Ted is still at the claw and this like shadowy figure comes in. And so that's happening. And then we see McGinnis in his office And then we see Carson and Nancy at the house. And then the next thing we know, George goes into the claw to try to find Ted, I guess, to close up for the night because it's like nightfall at this point. And Ted is gone. And George is now in a panic. Like, why was Ted alone in the first place? Yeah. I mean, how old is Ted? Like eight? Nine? Somewhere around there. Young. Too young to be left alone. Especially mm-hmm. out in public in a restaurant. Yep. So, once again, cliffhanger. Mm hmm. Did do you notice that George and her sisters all have a boy name? <laughs> yes, because there's George and then Ted and, and then Jesse um, and Jesse Charlie. And Charlie, yeah. Well, George is actually her nickname because it's her name is Georgia. Yeah. Hello, George. Hey, Megan just popping in here. I just wanted to say that George's real name actually was just George in the original series. Um, she was named after her grandfather. And then in one volume in 1960, I believe it was the clue in the old stagecoach. It did mention that her real name was actually Georgia, but it was changed after the first few printings and then it went back to being just George. And then in the 80s, it actually was changed so that her birth name was Georgia, but that nobody calls her that except for her parents. And then also in the Girl Detective series, I believe her name is supposed to be originally Georgia, but originally it was just George. Yeah. Hello, George. And Charlie could be, it's spelled C-H-A-R-L-I-E. So that could be like a girl's name too. For something. Mm-hmm. But Jesse, like whenever I think of like girl Jesse versus white boy Jesse, girl Jesse has an I feel like has an I in it. Boy Jesse doesn't. Yeah. So yeah, and then Ted, Ted's short for something like Theodora or something like that, isn't it? It could be. I thought her name was something like that. I don't know. <laughs> I'm not sure. I might have just made that up. <laughs> I don't know. 
I'm going to look that up now. I I feel like that's right, but maybe not. It, well, one says it could be Theodora. I feel like it's, I feel like it is. Ted Fan. She's eight. Huh. She's eight. Straight A student. Yeah, I'm not finding much either, but I feel like that's right. Yeah. Yep, yep. Then again, I could have just made it up. Who knows? <laughs> either way, end of the episode. She's missing. Everybody's now going to freak out. It's stressful. To say so. the least. <laughs> yeah. <sighs> so that's kind of yeah. where they leave us with this one. Oh, man. Like, I don't know. Yeah, I mean, like I said, I know George has to work and make money to help support the sisters. But then again, I mean, what are the other two sisters doing? I think one was at a sleepover and the other one, I don't remember what was said, but she's somewhere else. Yeah, like, couldn't you have organized a sleepover for Ted so you didn't have to drag her to work? Because I'm sure she was bored. I mean, she was sitting there with toys and, like, a coloring book. And, I mean, I remember when I was younger and I'd have to go to work with my dad. Like I said, he's a mechanic. So he worked in a messy, smelly, loud shop. Sure as heck wasn't the place I wanted to hang out at. No. But there you go. But, I mean, you do what you have to do. So that's where they leave us until the next one. (laughs) oh man so i found out ted is eight jesse is 15 don't know about charlie if jesse was there i feel like jesse could have babysat i feel like 15 is old enough to babysit right i think so be left alone like make sure you don't like like candles or use the oven or open the door for someone you don't know like basic stuff like yeah. that. I feel like a 15 year old could be in charge of that. Yeah. So if George could be 18, Jesse 15. So that's like three. Is Ted the baby? Ted is the baby. Okay. So then Charlie must be like between 10 and 12. Right? Yeah. So since Ted's George eight- is. George is 18 to 19, so there could be, like, four years, three to four years between each sister. Yeah. So, Charlie could be, like you said, between 10 and 12. Yeah. I think that makes the most amount of sense. Yeah. In comparison with the other ages. Yeah. Yep, yep. I think that's all I have for this one. That's pretty much all I got, too. Well, all right, then. If that's the case, then I'll just go ahead and lead us out. Thank you all for listening to this week's episode of River Heights Buzz podcast. You can check us out on Instagram at River Heights Buzz. You can email us at riverheightsbuzz at gmail.com. You can find us on Facebook in our Facebook group. And you can find us on Twitter at River Heights Buzz with just one Z. Check us out next week as we dive into Season 1, Episode 9, The Halfway Point. See you next week, guys. Bye, everyone.